We want to welcome Tim Moore back today, professional keynote speaker for companies and organizations, how to maximize really the generations in the workplace is what you talk about all over the country. Is that right, Tim? That's correct. Well, we're glad to have you here today. We're going to talk about how to maximize millennials in the workplace. little parenthetical phrase there. Uh, give us, again, a perspective of the generations today in the workplace. And let's dive down into, as we define the millennials, uh, what they're all about. Sure. Um, if you remember back, we've talked about this many times, but just to, to, if somebody's listening and they haven't uh, heard us before, just to take you back through the different generations, uh, we've got, uh, for the first time in history, four generations in the workplace, which makes a lot of uh, interesting um, scenarios in the workplace, uh, management, different situations in management, and sometimes troubling, sometimes great opportunities. So if you look at this, the matures, anyone that was born um, really before 1944 is a mature. Those would be my parents. Um, they would be a lot of uh, millennials' grandparents. And uh, this group is the greatest generation. Uh, they have a lot of, uh, they went through the Depression, World War II. And the next generation is the boomers. They are the children of those matures. And the boomers were uh, the largest generation, the boom, the, bir the, uh, the birth boom that happened when... The baby boom. Uh, what years approximately do yeah. they say the baby boom happened? That'd be about 1946 until 1964. Okay. And uh, those last four years are always a little uh, gray. They can go either way into Gen Xers or to... But I include them as, as boomers into right. 64. And um, that group, uh, largest generation, and they, they really exercised and changed a lot of things in this country. And their, their rights to uh, protest, their rights to uh, entertainment. Um, you know, we've talked about uh, how the reason we see things like a Disney World, we see, you know, better highways, so many schools and areas, all those things was because this big rat was going through the snake at the time and really pushing the envelope. And they appreciate that reference. Oh, they do. They, they, <laughs> I'm sure they do. Uh, but a lot of their children, you know, the, the early boomers, if you, if you break them in half and you take the early boomers and the late matures had children, and um, that group, starting in about 1964, 65, uh, became the Gen Xers. And the reason that they're broken down is in 1964, the federal government approved the birth control pill in the United States. And so you've got smaller families almost immediately. We uh, Families went from about three and a half, four children to uh, one and a half, two children really quickly. And so the Gen X are the first group of small families. And when you have a smaller family, parents can pay more attention to their children. So you're raised differently. And uh, you have different uh, things going on in your life than a boomer does. Uh, the Gen Xers, although uh, they, they were doted on and taken care of and, and, and well-raised, uh, they were the first group to hit the job marketplace and, and, and really use the, uh, the jump from company to company to achieve. Um, it wasn't retire with a gold watch. And no. You know that that attitude sort of left. Well, at they that entered time. they entered a place that's a little bit different than um, the boomers had remembered. A boomer would tell you go to work and stay there for thirty years and get your pension and your retirement fund and leave. And that world had ceased to exist by the time the Gen Xers hit the marketplace. So it's not only on their shoulders that they jumped around, but that is the fastest way for them to achieve higher levels of pay and position. Um, but there were also all the layoffs and restructuring going on in the country right. as well. And then the next generations what are they and then we're going to dive back into how 
how to maximize the millennials yeah. in the workplace. And so the next generation after Gen X uh, it are the millennials. And uh, this is basically 12 to, to about 30 is what we're talking about in age group. And there's about 85 million. Think about that. They're the largest generation the, to ever come marching through this country. And I just read uh, just recently that by 2025, and we're just talking a few short years from now, that over 75% of the of the of all the workers in America will be millennials. So if you don't think that your business is getting ready to change because you have to think about the boomers who have been this, you know, this big group that came through and are holding all these positions are retiring at about 10,000 boomers a day retire. And that's going to happen for the next 19 years. And so as they retire, someone has to replace them. And sometimes it's technology. Sometimes it's a machine that can replace them. But more often than not, you're hiring in somebody that is a millennial that uh, is coming out of school. They're the best educated uh, generation we've ever had, and more so now because so many of them during this economic uh, unpleasantness we've been going through for the last four years have opted to stay in school and pursue graduate degrees. So they're highly intelligent, well-educated. They just are a little different because they come from a huge group. They went to classes, you know, their class sizes were larger than, than anything before them. Um, they've dealt with a lot of interesting, um, uh, the way they were raised was different, the way they were socialized is different, and the way they see work is different. Well, let's talk about that. How do they see work? How are they raised? And, and you're generally talking about 1980 to 2000, that kind of, uh, uh, is that about the age range? Uh, it, yeah, well, yeah, I would say that um, you'll take them through about 1998. Okay. Is the All high right. end on that. All right, the high and end. then we go into the Gen I, which is, you know, they're still. That's they're, kids. Yeah, kids. They're we're, coming, though. They're coming, and they're, they're a smaller group, actually, though, which is interesting. But the millennials themselves are a, a fascinating group. So we're talking about 85 million. This is, a, this is a group that is changing the country. You've got uh, a whole lot of them out there right now, even business owners, and uh, I'm sure many of the people associated with the social media world and generation are a part of this group. If you've got a worker in your in your office who's 30 years age 30 or younger or you're interviewing or you're trying to figure out how to inspire or hire or retain someone under 30 you're talking about millennials right now that's who that's who's marching in now they they do they have encountered different things than the other generations did obviously uh, for the last 10 years the economy in our country has, has sputtered along and so while they're coming into the workplace they've seen really nothing but a lot of layoffs um, restructures of companies companies offshoring companies closing down um, so they've had to adapt a in lot a of change way. a lot of drama too with uh, 9-11 that yep, happened absolutely. very close to their time so as significant as World War II was in the lives of the matures as significant as for the boomers, you would think things like, uh, for them, Vietnam, the significant of 9-11 is to millennials. They've mm -hmm. lived in a world that has been security conscious their whole life. Uh, they've never seen the time when an airport didn't have tons of security. They've watched the country uh, be at war almost their entire memory of their life. You know, when they're younger, they don't remember all of it, but almost their whole life. Um, I remember my daughter, who is 26 now, and she was uh, a cheerleader in high school. I think she was about to 10th grade when 9-11 happened. Mm -hmm. And um, so their memory has, has – their life has spanned everything about watching us send troops to the Middle East. 
yeah. um, and, and watching uh, the events on television every night. And, and so the world is different for them. They see it a little bit differently. How do they see it? What are some of the telltale factors uh, that we would notice in this generation? Well, certainly millennials themselves were the uh, most doted on, most well-raised, taken care of by their parents, smaller families, remember, ever. So they see the world a little bit differently. Remember, they've had more communication. They were the first generation raised as their parents' friends and not, you know, the, the, the way uh, children are raised and socialized. Uh, this is where the word, you know, the soccer moms came from. All these things that go along, um, the, even the reversal of uh, mom going to work and dad staying home is something that they're very comfortable with. They're used to being on teams, although they're not as loyal to a team, although they're very socialized in groups, mm-hmm. but, they, but they're not uh, – they, they, they don't feel as if this group – they, they can interchange between teams very easily, and, and they move quickly from group to group. They have a huge uh, tribe that they, they hang with, and, and um, it really is different the way they even approach things like a dating if it just a perfect example is, you know, when I was growing up as a boomer, a dating at the most would be a double date, you know, two couples going out. <laughs> um, when you see millennials go to the prom, they're going to have a van and there's going to be 19, 20 people. <laughs> and I remember my daughter was going one year and there's like 17 people and right. I'm standing out there and I'm watching them all load on. I'm saying, hey, I feel bad. There's, you know, somebody doesn't have a date. And my daughter's like, none of them have a date. We're all just going together. I, I was like, I, I had to get my mind around That's that. That's not surprising. That didn't hurt them in terms of their uh, social score, anything. That's just not normal for that group. Yeah. Not a, matter of fact, that's the norm. Having a steady boyfriend or girlfriend is uh, is really old school to that group. <laughs> uh, having a, a group you hang around with. And my daughter has many different circles that she goes in and out of, and they all influence each other. And they're very, they're very influenced by things like social media. They keep in contact better than ever. They're stressed out a lot, but they really stay in contact with each other. So they're overwhelmed, really, with uh, technology, and they're really good at using it. Oh, they're the best you'll ever hire for technology. They, they, have, they have known nothing but technology. From the time they were born, there have been cell phones, and, and from their earliest memories, there have been computers in their house. They are amazing multitaskers, and they understand uh, just innately. Um, as a matter of fact, if you think about it, right now in school, they don't even teach cursive writing anymore. What they teach is keyboarding. So that where you used to go to the board and you have to work on your letters with the, you know, the big thing that had the three lines on the board, and you'd make your letters just right for the teacher. They don't do that anymore. It's all about keyboarding with your fingers. Well, here's something you might not be ready for. Are they the most medicated generation it seems like they're the most taken care of, and, and because they're multitaskers and because they're, they're so different in that way, I think I've seen that a little bit, that they've, you know, that's the ADD. It's that kind of an attitude. What do you think about that? I have no facts to prove anything, but I, <laughs> I, I will tell you, as a father of two, um, I will say that uh, it, it, surely quick to the draw to medicate and both of mine have uh, gone through that at one time in their life. My son obviously is um, uh, uh, ADD. Uh, he's a high performer, intelligent, very intelligent. Sure. And, and, you know, he, he uh, all through high school, 
was working with different kind of medicines that we would give him every morning. Um, but he went to college and threw the medicine away. The doctor wasn't happy with it, and the guy was on the dean's list and, and um, making incredible grades all through college without the medication. Well, so suffice it to say they're a generation that's been uh, coached, well taken care of in, in general, and they really are all of the board multitaskers, which, of course, I think to boomer generation makes them look a little ADD to us in a, in a way. But they're, they're pretty incredible and talented and very technologically savvy. They are, but there are some significant differences in the workplace. Oh, tell they us about those. They expect things to be different in the workplace. They okay. have high expectations, and they're hard workers. <clears throat> they need structure. They uh, really need structure. This is not a group that you can say, come to work. I'm going to define the job. Here's the job description. Here's your cube. Go for it. And, and lack of training could really Im- negatively impact this oh, group. You, they need to be trained uh. at the highest levels, and they need structure and reporting almost d- daily. Almost daily, they need some. They're used to this. Remember, their parents were very involved in their lives. They got feedback all the time from a coach or a parent. So you're talking about a group that expects feedback almost on a daily basis and certainly on a weekly basis. They like to know where they stand. Oh, that's very significant. How does that differentiate from their parents? Their parents didn't need that. Just tell me what they didn't need. Tell me the job, I'll get it done, I'll bring you the results. Um, that it was a different world, uh, and if I need something, I'll come tell you that what I need. Sure. I'll, I'll, I'll drop in, but um, and this is a group that's very comfortable uh, with a, as a group. Millennials don't um, don't see don't put a lot of value in face to face, whereas their superiors do. A millennial's just as good sitting in the cube right beside you, and they'll fire you off a text or a tweet or <laughs> yeah. some kind of inner office. It'll go up to a satellite, then come down yeah, to you two feet away. Yeah, they're very good at that, and, and they're very comfortable with that, and they have a, a whole sense of, um, of uh, dialogue and humor that goes along with it that they've developed over time, where a boomer would much rather say, just come down to my office, let's talk this out. Um, the, as a group, millennials are not good in meeting sources. I mean, they're not, they're not good to sit around a boardroom and come up with ideas. They're much better to work on their own and bring the ideas to a central place. Interesting. What are some of the other characteristics? Because if this is the whole group of people coming into the workplace or maybe already in someone who's listening their workplace, what are some of the things you need to recognize even more? And what are some of the things that you can do now to make sure that generation is as productive as possible? Well, you know, they, like I said before, they expect things. There, here's some things that have happened in, in the consequence of them. Remember that this is a group that is walking out of college. If they, if they leave, if they graduate from college and they go to get a job, they're walking out with about somewhere between forty and $80,000 worth of debt immediately. It is more expensive to be a young 20-year-old in America today than it's ever been. Right. You've got a cell phone bill. You've got all kinds of cable bills, all these other things that are going on that we didn't have, that I, I never experienced. A lot of temptation, desires, and demands to stay connected. So they, they've invested in that. Right. And on the other part of that is <clears throat> the job market is very different, and jobs are, are, are uh, at a premium. Finding a steady job is almost impossible, although it is around, but they expect different. A lot of them are working two and three jobs. Okay. You, when you talk to millennials, talk to a 24-year-old, and they're going to have friends that are working two or three jobs. And if they're not, something's usually unusual because they, 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 it, someone would see them as very, being very fortunate to find a full-time job that pays them that way. Okay. Um, they expect in the workplace flexibility. 
uh, work hours and flexibility. They, they don't mind working. They're very hard workers, but that nine to five thing will kill them. And if you're, if you're managing a company as a boomer, and you're expecting the traditional come in at nine, leave at five. These are not the people for you, because what a millennial will do is they'll come from nine to one, check out for a couple hours, and come back and work till eight or nine at night. They're they're very good at that kind of thing. So if you're if you've got a, a, a sales force or a customer service group that's working the West Coast and you're on the East Coast, they're perfect for that. They don't mind all kind. They don't mind weekend work. They don't mind evening hours. They're very used to having a non-traditional. To them, the nine to five is too much structure. But they, but they need structure as well. They need uh, in terms of their how, how they're. Tell us about that. I mean, go into that because they, in in some ways, they don't need that kind of rigidness. But you say they need structure and they need guidance. They need coaching. Well, they they need to understand what the job is. Mm-hmm. They need to understand this. You need to put in X amount of hours per week. Okay. I don't care if it's all linear or if it's jumping around. Just keep track of it. That makes sense. Um, I need you to produce these things for me, and I'm going to check in with you every day and just see how you're doing. And provide you some guidance right. and help. And they expect okay. that, and they're going to come looking for it. They really are. That's not to them, depending on your, how, you, how you work with them, that's not micromanagement to them. They do like input, not necessarily criticism and, and, you know, holding them to the, calling them to the carpet, but that guidance and feedback you're talking about. They love guidance and feedback. That's part of their world. It has been for a long time. Now, you speak to a lot of corporations around the country. What are some of the mistakes that could be easily avoided that companies are making right now? Well, uh, you know, there's a great uh, uh, article out right now about um, that millennials will trade pay for access to social media in the office. They will take a lesser salary at a company if you'll have if you'll allow them to work on social media. And a lot of companies because Isn't that funny? Well, you think of the power sources in companies right now which are boomers and what how they've seen the world and how structured it is and now you've got this group that you know they they don't mind spending a couple you know 10 or 15 minutes out of every hour surfing the internet on keeping up with their friends how things going they're very interactive so why don't you put them in a job where they can help you with that if a boomer doesn't like to go on twitter or facebook or or build the pages for that why don't you assign it to someone coming in who has those skill sets that will achieve for you then and so one of the things is is if you've got technological uh challenges in your job or things that you don't like to do with social media you see it as an opportunity this is the group you want to put in charge of that give them some structure keep up with them but allow them to go because they they'll do it twice as fast as you can let's say i'm a i'm a boomer I'm managing these folks. What are a couple of more tips that that I need to know to to make sure that they work better and they work for me? What are the things that I could put into place? And I think you've already given us those, but what are a few more? Well, I think that um, you need to listen to them. They're going to come to you with ideas, and don't just think because they uh, they come with enthusiasm and ideas that seem a little off maybe refine the idea they, they love like i said they love feedback but they're going to bring things to you they're going to they're going to come dragging in all kinds of opportunities for you that you may not even understand yet so, so listen t- carefully. so mostly listen and take notes you don't have to make the judgment or correct them on the spot they're going to be all over the all over the place with ideas so listen and the next is understand that they are multitaskers okay so don't freak out when you walk into their office and they've got three or four things going on at the same time or if they're out in the field that they're, they're, they're doing, to, they, they were raised this way, 
that's what they do best. They understand that they can, they can text, they can be on the computer writing an email at the same time, and they can be on the phone. And they can do all that simultaneously without any problem. And they probably can mute the phone and talk to you at the same time while you're coming in. It's okay. They, they live in that world. So um, don't try to judge them by the standards that you used to work in. Yeah, if, if I have – I cannot work and write if I have music. I mean, uh, de- depending, unless it's really quiet classical music way in the background. But they can listen to music. They can have a text going off, and they can still get things done. Now, sometimes that all goes kaboom. And I've seen it here, but however, th- you're right about that. That's that's really so. Take advantage of their strengths. Okay. And the other thing is, is these are by nature people that work in social groups. Mm-hmm. They have a huge, like I said, these tribes they run in, and they have different ones that, for different things. Take advantage of that. If they're good at these things, send them to uh, be involved in. If you don't like networking, send them to go network. They're good at those kind of things. And their networking pools work a little bit differently than our traditional, the chamber kind of network. Let's sure. get face-to-face and sit down yes. and eat some chicken wings. There's some business cards. Um, they see that as kind of um, old school. Okay. They'll, they'll involve themselves in it, but they may keep up with the people that they think are important through, through a, uh, a text or an email or a call where it's not always face-to-face. They, and Listen, these are the kids that are hanging out. Remember, now, this group has, in all honesty, about a 37% unemployment rate. So they're very used to hanging out in, <laughs> you know, the Paneras and the, and the um, Starbucks and all those, all those sure. places. They're there. So they're used to doing that. So if, if they're good at those kind of things, why don't you let them take that part of their world and, and meet your customers there or, or a, a prospect or Just those provide them some guidance and some, and some rules of thumb, uh, yeah. maybe from the traditional network. And we'll go on. What are a couple other things a manager of these folks can do and that we can do to make sure they're, they're maximized? Well, this group likes to have fun at work, and, and, and they're not going to work long at a place that's not fun. And oh. So if you've got the lights dimmed and it's always quiet and you're supposed to walk down the hall and everybody's supposed to be, have the door shut working, they're probably not going to stay very long for okay, you. They here, like fun at work. Here I come. Help me to define fun at work. Well, <laughs> I don't know what that is. There's all kinds of work things. Work is work. Well, fun, you can have fun at work. Let's say you've got people working in cubes. That means <clears throat> when one sells something, they get to get up and run around and hit the gong. It can be fun to let everybody know that or blow the horn or whatever. It could be that um, every hour for five minutes uh, an alarm goes off and everybody comes out in the hall and, and um, uh, you do some kind of uh, exercise or, you know, you play rubber horseshoes or there's all kinds of things going on. They're, they're very um, non-traditional in the way they see work. So what? how does that – How if I just arrived here from my boomer planet – and saw this kind of activity, that would be very foreign to most of us in that particular generation, the generation before them. How, how do you handle that? Well, first how off— How does a boomer handle that? How does anyone handle that? <laughs> well, you try to find some liaisons in the between. And sure. I have to tell you, I go into companies, and there are sev- several of them right here in the Triangle, that— that have this whole philosophy and when you walk in you know they they've got that um silicon valley idea you know they if they can come into work in shorts and t-shirts because they're on the phone all day it's okay you know they're the, the, they're allowed to do that if there's a nerf gun war that breaks out it that's happens. okay and that's because you know what in their world it cleanses their mind takes them back down and then they they start back and they feel appreciated um some of them have ping pong tables or they have a uh, skateboard park in the back where once you've done something and you've pushed this you know or sold something you go out there and, and, and release the energy and come back. So 
being not from that generation, why can't we relax in the workplace like that? I know we can learn from this generation, but why, why, weren't, why aren't we like that? Well, you have to, first off, we were raised differently. I mean, I, I, the, the comment I get from peers is, you know, the workday goes faster when I'm working hard. I mean, it's just that kind of mentality. And I still sort of subscribe to that. You have to learn well, to have fun. Yeah, I think that um, certainly boomers were raised differently. Their parents were much more disciplined rigid. and strict and rigid with them the way they were raised. The, the workplace they walked into X amount of years ago, I'm not going to go that far back for me, That's but right. a lot of years ago when you walked in, it was, you know, even at that time, if you were at like, very clinical, uh, very, and you know, like, let's say IBM, you had a blue shirt and a, and a red, black tie, that's, red, red tie and yep, the wingtips. Yeah. And it's not that way anymore. The world has changed. Okay. Um, all that being said, it doesn't mean that you don't hold on to some of that, but you have to be flexible enough to see that this new group sees the world. It doesn't mean you cater to them. It just means that if you want to be successful, you allow some of that to come into your workplace. Excellent. Let, allow you to go on. Good And good the tips. last thing is, I think that's really important with this group, is they have a different idea of work-life balance. Uh, obviously, my work-life balance in my world is great. Uh, let's get off work at 5, 6 o'clock, you know, and, and I go home, release, and come back in the next day. Right. Uh, this group might have their work-life balance where they they see um, uh, I, I need time off in the middle of the day, but the other part of the balance might be that I'll, I'll give you that back in the evening or on a weekend. I got no problem with that as a, as a millennial. And the other thing is is the balance of what are the social causes here? Are we da- are we damaging the world or the environment or other people with what we do here? And they're very socially conscious. And um, they might ask you where the wood came from in that number two pencil you're using. Is this <laughs> you know what tree got cut down? Because they're 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 thinking about these things. They've been raised in that environment, and so they're very socially active. And they're going to be the ones that lead the charge for the recycling drive in your office. I can't believe you guys don't recycle. Well, the boomers like, well, that's, that's we're Americans. That's what we do. Right. You know? <laughs> but they're going to push those envelopes and say, let's do things that are, are, are more helpful. They're going to lead the charge for things like Habitat for Humanity and um, all those social causes in your office. They're very involved in that. Well, a lot of the instincts there on work-life balance, I mean, those are the things that uh, instructors and teachers and trainers have had to come into organizations for years and remind people, you know, there's more to life than work. Well, this generation seems to understand there is more to life than work. However, uh, they could be they could be tapped to do a lot of things and really bring companies and organizations into the future, nonprofits included, and and uh, all sorts of uh, companies. So, do you see them as a real potential, powerful and positive influence for companies? I do. I think that um, you know there there's some give and take on both sides, uh, and, and it took me a while to get past the tattoo or the nose ring um, as a person as a boomer. You know, mm-hmm. looking at that, yeah. but to understand that the person behind it's still the same person. You know, my daughter came home with a tattoo, and my wife and I just looked at it and went, "What are you doing?" But the truth of the matter, she's still the same person inside. She she didn't change. It's just you know, you're in a very crowded market. Eighty five million of these uh, millennials wandering around, and, and you've got to find ways to express who you, I am. I am different. I am unique. I am important in this world. And how do you express that? And everybody takes a different way. And it, maybe it takes a tattoo on your on your shoulder or, or other places on your body, or it, to make you feel 
important and different in a very crowded market. So tell us again, just quickly, how, how, uh, what you can do to help companies, just briefly, uh, if they want more information and they want to drive some of these changes into their organizations to be more productive. Well, obviously, uh, the the first place is to begin at the conversation, and I'm I'm hired to usually come into companies um, or organizations. Sometimes it's, it's it's a convention of different all companies sure. coming together. And first off, we just go through all the different generations. We drill down and talk about what makes them unique and different, and what their strengths are, and then we uh, talk about how they interrelate. They communicate differently with each other uh, in the workplace. You, you find that people that are uh, involved at, from different generations all have a different perspective. And one of the great things is, is that, and, and it's one of the great quote, quotes I've always thought was wonderful, is we don't see things as they are. We, think, we see things as we are. So our perspective is what's coloring everything that we see. So my job is to come into a company and help them see the perspective of all the groups and how they can think act differently, especially whether it's in sales and marketing, a, a, a real strength in that area. Tim, thank you so much. This gives us insight into the, uh, the millennials, and I appreciate the overview of the generations. It can't, it's more important today than it ever was. With how many generations in the workplace? Four, and there's a fifth one knocking on the door. Knocking on the door. So this is uh, a brief, really, on how to maximize millennials within the workplace. And, Tim, we hope you come back and continue to give us great information on this very important and timely subject. 